morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us for another podcast episode for the See Together podcast, C2 podcast. I am Elizabeth Fry. I'm a psychologist working here in Bielbien, Switzerland. And I'm very excited to have today my wonderful colleague, Stephanie Goffaut. Thank you, Stephanie, for joining us today. Thank you for the invitation. It's really good to be here today. I'm so glad to finally get you in a place where I can ask you some tough questions and get your expert advice. And the topic we've chosen today, I think is one that a lot of parents and caregivers can relate to. And that is the topic of getting your children to participate um, and contribute to household tasks and activities. Um, and this is a topic I know that I personally struggle with in our home. Um, and Stephanie, I'm so excited to hear more from you about that. But first, let me introduce you a little bit. Stephanie is a psychologist. She's also working here in, in Bien, and she speaks French, English, Portuguese, and you work in all of those languages, too. Yes, that's true. She's very <laughs> talented. Um, and you've been here in Switzerland back from France for two years now, right? Yes, almost two years now, exactly. And you mm. have an international experience as well. Um, can you tell us about that a little bit? Of course. So I did my training in Brazil for, um, for psychology. And then I moved to France to do my equivalence there, the diploma. And it's in France that I started working with the spectrum, so the autistic spectrum with children and parents. And from this, I started having the idea of also working then with helping parents bring some structure and um, helping the children then participate more in the house chores and activities because it was really important for me. I saw that the parents had some structure with the kids at home working with um, children in the spectrum. And also this could be super helpful with also neurotypical children and after then the six years working in France with that, I decided to move to Switzerland. And now I've been here for two years working in the praxis here um, and also with children that needs some structure at home, helping parents bring this, um, this model of participation and community to the family and the household. Wonderful. So that's very interesting that you started off noticing how much the structure was helping for kids on the spectrum. And what were some of the things that you, you noticed were helpful about putting in these systems to help the, the kids and their families? Mm. Um, it was really important for the kids to know what was expected from them mm. on a daily basis. So routines, kids respond super well to routines. Um, and it then, that sense, sometimes as adults, we don't pay that much attention to routine anymore because we are used to doing our chores and daily activities. Um, so what I saw was a need was to help the parents set a scheme and a structure, um, especially a visual structure for the kids mm -hmm. so that they knew 
what they had to do every day, for example, or in a weekly basis, so they could help mom and dad and um, feel, feel they are a part on those activities too. Could you, do you have like a brief um, over a summary or somebody, a, a sample of how this worked for one of the families that you worked with? Maybe there's a, um, a success story or something that you could share from implementing this kind of work with a family. Yes, I do have, I do have a few examples. I think um, one of my favorite ones was working with um, a visual clock that we built with the family, where we would, with colors, separate each time where the kids need to do something, because at that time, the complaint of the parents were that the kids were not very autonomous in their activities at home, so they were a little bit older already, and it was hard for the parents to have to tell them all the time, go do this, or go do that, go brush your teeth. Um, so in that case, we just built this wonderful, very colored visual support, which was a clock. And each hour was a different color. So they knew when, well, the little pointer was in a certain color, what they had to do. So this is an example of how the visual support and brain structure helps not only the kids, but also the parents Absolutely. in this structure at home. That is very cool because that's that's our current issue at home is I feel like I am constantly having to nag my son about uh, remembering which activities to do at which time. So that's a very cool idea. Um, tell, tell me a little bit about some of the common challenges that you notice in the families that you work with. What are the, the, the main themes that pop up for you? Mm. Um, they're very related to helping mom and dad do the chores at home and I think this comes mostly also because um, most parents do the chores when the kids are at school or sometimes also when they're sleeping or doing any other activity so it's hard also for the kids to be aware of what it takes to take care of a house so the first um, the first step of our work is to bring awareness to the kids of what it takes, you know, what mom and dad does when they're not looking. So this can be washing the clothes, um, empty the dishwasher. There's so many activities that the kids had no idea happen sometimes in the house. Um, and then it's the part of motivating the kids to help that is also super difficult. Um, so this part, it's where we build the visual supports to make it easier for kids to engage in these activities and feel like they're reward, but not bribed for these activities. So it's really important to take things that are visually, visually attractive for the kids. Um, for example, building a flower pot where every time the kid does a chore, she puts a flower in the pot and at the end of the day, it looks beautiful or little plastic fishes in an aquarium so that they are um, socially reinforced for what they're doing to the family without actually having um, money or candy for that. So it's, 
it's more of this sense of community and how we can help the children understand that they have their own responsibilities in the family so they can put their clothes away so it's their own clothes they have um they have a direct reinforcement for that because they need their clothes or but they're also the activities they're more uh, a teamwork like emptying the dishwasher because everybody used the dishes not only uh, the kids so it's yeah there are many things that can come up during this work too so it's hard to say one thing that comes more often but I would say in general it's the motivation for the kids that is the hardest to do it's funny because a lot of parents I have spoken with say, oh, we've tried reward charts. We've tried sticker charts. I've given candy. I've given, you know, money and, and it's just not working. But I love that in, in your system, there's this idea that the reinforcer is the connection with the family, the feeling of pride, of contributing to, to these very adult and independent tasks, these sort of natural reinforcers that occur with just being part of this this community system that's really yeah part i'm sorry yeah no that's really lovely i love that i was just going to say that participating in the chores is really beneficial to 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 kids and to the parents in building relationship skills life skills too of course in the long term that they know how to take care of the house and themselves but also can build on self-esteem when they realize they're competent and they have their own responsibilities within uh, the family. Absolutely. And I know that there are some, some cultural differences in the amount to which a child is expected to participate in family um, chores and household activities. Um, and given that we talk to a broad audience here, um, there might be some people whose culture didn't give them a sense of how to engage their children in some of these activities. And what would you say to them to help encourage them to think about the ways that they could get their children to, to participate more? Hmm. I think if this is something the parents want to do um, to make the kids participate more, um, there's always um, ways to talk about this with the kids and really as i said first bring awareness of what what goes on in the backstage of the house so not only the food is on the table but there is a process in it so when the child is is little we will teach this process with other things so you take the toy out to play and you bring the toy back to its place and then as they grow up the responsibilities increase and the level of difficulties too. So one other thing to be aware is the importance of um, the difficulty level of the chore you give to the children. It needs to be appropriate to their age because otherwise it might be too frustrating if it's too hard or even dangerous. And if it's too easy, it will be boring and then not motivating anymore for the kid. So this needs to be adapted. And as the kids is a little bit younger, the parents need to help a little bit too. So in the beginning, needs a little bit more patience, but on the long term, it's really worth it. So it has to be challenging enough to keep them engaged, 
but not so challenging that it sort of overwhelms or defeats the child. Okay, okay, mm-hmm. that's very cool. Do you have a, like, for a kid, you know, maybe uh, three or four years old, what would be an appropriate way that the, the child could participate in family um, or household activities? Mm. So the toys are a good example. So tidying yeah. up the room, okay. tidying up the, the toys they played with, um, putting the clothes away, um, sometimes sorting socks, for example, is a good is a good thing for them to do or setting the table. And for example, by setting the table, depending on the age of the kid, if he's three, he won't set the whole table, um, but maybe just the forks or maybe just um, spoons, something that doesn't break and they can carry. So it's, it's something to be adapted as they grow older so they can set the whole table. It's in that sense that is a process because it doesn't need they have to do the whole chore since the beginning. So if they set the table, they have to set the whole table or nothing. It's more a process where they can start with little parts of it and then increase over time. It's very cool. They grow into the different expectations of the family. Hmm. What are some of the, um, the things that that you found parents benefit from the most? I mean, it does, as you said, take a little bit of time in the beginning to shape this behavior, to support this new task and this new role. Um, but what have parents said about the, the end result? Um, in that case, I think the cultural piece is really important to bring mm. up here because as I work with different culture-based parents, um, it's important for me to respect this and not wanting to impose a certain model. So this also depends on the outcome. Some parents say um, a certain chores it's helpful for the kids to do and other parents would say different ones. But in general, I would say the meal time, it's a very important uh, time for most of the families so that the kids can help set the tables and put the dishes in the dishwashers or clear the table. Um, And it is a very good opportunity to work this community piece. So this teamwork piece, because it's something usually we do together. Um, And in that case, you're not really doing this for someone, you're doing this with someone. Mm. So this is an important piece when you ask a kid to do something. He's not doing this for his brother or for mom. He's doing this with. Lovely, lovely. Okay, what about tasks of independence um, or hygiene, showering, teeth brushing, things that we have to do multiple times a day? Well, maybe not showering, but teeth brushing I'm thinking of in particular, hand washing. Are there certain structures or, or systems that you found are particularly helpful for reminding kids of all ages to, to do these, these different tasks? Yes, there are the charts we can do that can be very helpful with their own routine of the day um, so that they are reminded visually of what is expected. So brushing the teeth. So for example, if they're expected to brush the teeth three times a day, we can work with stickers, for example, every time they brush their teeth, 
they put a sticker so that they know that they have to finish the three stickers or um, the same with showering and all the other things, brushing the hair, um, up to even the more weekly or monthly things we have to take care of ourselves, like cutting our nails, uh, going to the hairdresser, or the things we need to think of, depending on the age, of course, to take care of ourselves. Super. And how would you recommend setting up a visual system? Do you use you know, images of the child themselves, or do you find pictures on the internet or like what, what could parents do to, to set up a visual system for their kid? Um, usually when the family has a lot of kids and people involved, it's good to have pictures of themselves to put on the different chores so that they recognize what they have to do. But most of the images I also take from the internet. There are lovely resources of, um, um, how do we call this in English? Pictogram. Yes. Or the images. Yeah, yeah. Pictograms of um, kids doing a certain task um, so that they can be reminded of what they have to do. Mm, that's very cool. Okay, so let's let's provide a um, you know an example here of how you might work with a family around this particular issue. Let's we'll take my family for example because uh, I've heard from the other people um, with kids um, my son's age that it's it's not an uncommon struggle. Um, the mm -hmm. getting out of the door in the morning routine is a constant um, source of stress for me as a parent. So he, my son has to remember to pack his snack. He has to remember to do his teeth and wash his face. He has to remember to put away any papers in his backpack that he needed from the day before. Um, and I feel sometimes like I'm just reminding him every morning I'm a broken record. How would you work with us? What would you recommend for us? Would you do an assessment first or how? What's your, your procedure for kind of understanding what we need and how you can help us? Yes, yeah, so I can completely understand this <laughs> need and this is a complaint that comes quite often too. Uh, so in that case, we would sit all together. So you and your son um, and talk about those things so that he's aware of exactly what he has to do. Although we know he probably already aware because you repeat many times what he has to do. Coming yeah, I'll, sometimes I'll from, he's yeah. nine years old, just so you know. Okay. He's, he's nine years old, so that gives you a point of reference, yes. Yeah, so he does know what he has to do, but sometimes coming from someone external also has a different validation than coming from mom, so they, often are very proud of saying to someone external what they have to do so that we can work together on you know, the timeline and how to organize this. And then I would search for images that make sense um, for him as a visual support and come up with maybe a little chart he can keep with himself. And in the morning, he would just check every activity he has to do before going to school nice. um, that's an idea that came up right now how does that sound that's wonderful I think I have to go look for some images on the internet that's a great idea I'll be happy to help <laughs> thank you <laughs> what are some of the other common um, 
problem areas that you're noticing families and, and their kids struggle with? You said mealtime is a great place to, to do some mm-hmm. of these systems. Are there other, other sort of general places where kids get stuck? Mm. Homework. It's mm. definitely a moment that can be also pretty challenging for parents and kids, especially regarding autonomy in this moment. Sometimes kids prefer parents to be with them um, during this time. And during the pandemic, for example, it was a tricky moment because kids had to do a lot of homework by themselves at home, sometimes homeschooling and in the screen and parents had to work at the same time. So in that sense, it was important to find a little bit more autonomy for the kids so they can work on their own. Um, So for this, it's also part of talking about the ground rules and how they're responsible for this. So the kids, usually we are already working on the chores. It's easier to do this autonomy part with homework. So it's always... um, it's always something that we build over time too. So the younger the, the child is, when we start working with the chores and responsibilities at home, the easier it will be for these other responsibilities to be developed in the, in the, in the child. Um, so this is one thing, definitely. And as you mentioned, hygiene can be quite complicated too sometimes kids don't want to go to bed very early so they would they don't want to go shower they don't want to brush their teeth so if that's the case it's more working with the going to sleep part for example so really understand what the kid is avoiding but by not going um, shower or brushing the teeth it's because they don't like the act of doing it or it's because they're avoiding going to sleep so this is something also we work on okay so that's something that parents could investigate as well as when they're noticing a kid is really stuck on a particular action to to be curious Mm -hmm. about whether or not this is just a rebellion or is this maybe indicative of them just avoiding some part of this this ritual that's building up to some feared activity or some activity that they they really don't want to do and and being curious about that exactly okay yeah it's important to sometimes take a step back and see the whole picture and understand that the shower for example is in a context a specific context context of a routine and a moment of the day so taking this step back and being curious about the whole context can sometimes bring new ideas and subjects to talk about with the kids and understand what's going on. Mm, yeah, I like that. Really, it could be a place to have a good conversation with your kid just to bring a, some curiosity about, hey, what's what's up with this? I've noticed this. I'm curious about what this is about for you, if the kids are at an age where where they could express that. Exactly. Yeah, okay. Um, what about kids who have multiple caregivers? who maybe the parents are separated or divorced and so they go to dad's part of the time their mom's part of the time maybe they go to a grandmother or some other caregiver for some part of the time how do you make sure that certain systems still work for everybody Mm -hmm. 
In that case, for example, if we are working with visual support, this can be generalized in many houses. So um, if the parents separated or not have a good understanding or the different caregivers have a good understanding, it's really important that they have a discussion about which direction they are going for a certain subject or um, chores, how, what is expected from the kids, what they have to do. So ideally, they would do the same thing in the two different households, for example, or different environments. But if this is not possible, which is sometimes the case, um, it's not the end of the world either because kids can really differentiate different houses. So in the beginning it might be hard because um, it's important then to bring even more structure to one household so that the kid can understand, maybe not structure is the word, word but um, to, really, to really stick mm -hmm. with what you're asking the kids. So be more consistent in what is asked for so that it won't be confusing in that household what is, is expected. Because if at mom, he can do something, but at dad, he can't. Um, but then next week he comes to dad and then he can do that then it gets even more confusing. Mm -hmm. So if the two households had different values or different uh, dynamics, it's okay. But in that case, I would recommend really sticking to those things more firmly so, so that the kid understand the difference and can navigate between these two different dynamics. Right, so it's really about just helping the kids see you know, the differences in what's expected from them in the different locations and environments. And I guess that makes sense because at school, for example, they have a very different rhythm and structure than they would at home and, and they're, they've adapted to that. Like, I remember my son would have a really good nap at the creche when he went to the creche, but when he had days at home, he did not have a nap. <laughs> so I, I know yeah. that even at a young age, kids can differentiate between Really, what, what are the expectations? What do I need to do in this environment? Exactly. Well, that's cool. They, they pick up things faster than we, we imagine. And that's why consistency is also very important because if we don't keep that consistency very much, they will pick up very fast how to you know, do something differently, not do the chores. So if they don't do one chore, for example, for a while, um, and then mom gets sick of it and does it herself, then he will understand that every time he just procrastinates, someone will do it for him. Yeah, so gotta be consistent. Um, have you noticed that it, it helps cut down on any other behaviors that might be problematic, but that are unrelated to the particular tasks that you're helping the kids with? Like, you know, do, does it help cut down on, on problem behavior in other unrelated areas? Mm, yes, it can, it can be generalized in the sense of this structure, uh, helping the kid understand what expected from him in general. So as I said, this helps work on teamwork and respect for others. Um, 
responsibility and self-care. And usually this generalizes to other domains too. So what I always say to for clients sometimes is that, for example, on preventing um, substance abuse in adolescents, it's really important to work on the kids' discipline when they're young, because when they learn young how they have to take care of their own body, of their own self, and how to be respectful with others, but also with themselves, it will help them later to deal with other issues. For example, I used here the substance abuse. So in that sense, working on this structure when they're young can also um, generalize in the moment to other behaviors, but in the long term to show some results. Um, Very cool. That makes a lot of sense. I guess as human beings, we all want to belong. And this is kind of, it gives the children a map of how to belong in this family, how to contribute and be part of an active participant in this family. Mm-hmm. And I can imagine that's a really nice reinforcing feeling for the kids. And of course, yes. for the parents too. Yeah, that's great. It okay. is, it is. Any other words of wisdom about someone who's maybe thinking about setting up a system like this? Any um, common obstacles or, or tips that you would give them as they embark on this new challenge for the family? Mm-hmm. I would say every change is very challenging in the beginning. So don't get discouraged with the first um, difficulties or struggles you might find. Um, It's a game of patience sometimes. And in the long term, it's really worth it. So by being consistent, patient, um, I'm sure your children will understand what's expected from them. And this will be really helpful for your family. That's wonderful. Thank you, Stephanie. Can people contact you if they have questions about setting this up initially or would like to get together and discuss it with you? Yes, they're very welcome to contact okay. me. Okay, and how, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Um, by email. Um, I can let here my website, maybe, there my contact information, email or phone number. Um, either way, for me, it's a great way to contact. So. My website is uh, psy, so P-S-Y it's my family name, G-O-F-F-A-U-X dot C-H. And there you have a little information about me to know more. We'll put a link in the episode notes as well for anybody Super. who's interested in finding you. Oh, this has been a really useful and interesting conversation, Stephanie. I really appreciate your expertise on this. It really makes me inspired to go look up some pictograms. And uh, <laughs> thank you for this opportunity to talk about this. It was, really, it was really nice. Absolutely. Well, thank you everyone for joining us for this conversation with Stephanie. And if you have any questions or comments, feel free to reach out to us. You can also find us on our website at C together.ch that's c and two the number two gather g-e-t-h-e-r point c-h and we look forward to hearing from you and see you next time thank you stephanie thank you everyone thank you bye